Here's my conversation with Ed Burns. I, I wonder if you could just talk for a second about how The Wire, in some ways, reflects your worldview. I mean, I, I mean, you know, people talk to David Simon all the time about kind of the nihilism of his thinking and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just curious about you. I mean, I... And well, I said, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I guess I guess the, the way to say this is, you know, we, we went off on a tangent back in the, in the late 60s and, and sort of never never righted the ship. We just kept trying to put Band-Aids in. And I think what The Wire shows is, is this end result of all these Band-Aids, all these efforts to, to try to do something. Um, but they're so, they're so scattered that nothing is being done. For the people who are disconnected from the main society, it seems that um, one of the alternatives they have uh, is the drug world. And that, that creates a whole culture, a whole way of being. And I think what The Wire tries to do is it tries to show you that culture and, and the reasons why that culture came about. You know, I don't think it's, it's anything more than a, a, a dramatically fair representation of, of what the world is. I, I, don't, I don't think it's nihilism so much as it's, it's just the way it is. But we can change it if we, if we change the way we do things. I, I think that, that one last comment you made, a dramatically, a dramatically fair way of representing where society is. So when you take parts of it, as in the, the scenes you had in the Sun Papers, or the scenes you had earlier with the the the, the, the school system, or uh, or Bob Wisdom scenes when he was trying to create Amsterdam, or the or the scene with McNulty in the last in the last part of the series where he tried to turn the police department on its head to force force him to direct money to to, to fighting the worst of the worst. What does that say about where you think we are in terms of the, the the corporate power and the power of government and people who are trying to live a right life? And what do you what do you see? What do, talk about that tension a minute. Well, I, I think what it suggests is that, as Ronnie Reagan said back in eighty one, you know, we fought a war on poverty and we lost. <laughs> and let's forget about it, basically. And, and that's that's what one part of America has done. They sort of forgot about it. You know, Katrina gave us a um, very ugly uh, glimpse of what was still there, but we may have even managed to put that aside. And I think that it, that's what it, it is. It's, I sort of see the world, the corporate world, as the world of musical chairs. Now the music starts playing, everybody goes circling around, the music stops, and you plant your butt on a chair. And you're just very happy that you're in that chair and you don't really pay attention to the person who didn't get his butt, the person who has to walk off the stage. And before you can even think about that person, or even really think about you know, the fact that you're in a chair, the music starts again. And now you're angling for another chair. And you're spending your whole life trying to get that butt into that chair. And what's happening in the greater world, you can't focus on. And you know, the fact that more and more people are, are going off stage and there's fewer and fewer chairs, um, you feel the tension the closer you are to the bottom rung of that ladder. But it's, it's all about hanging on. It's not about changing things. It's about just hanging on, you know, hoping to hit the lottery, you know, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. <clears throat> people can stereotype a person because of who they are, where they're from, what they do. 
And so the idea that um, Ed Burns, a 20-year veteran of the police, has this kind of uh, analysis of society and sensitivity to the folks around them, people think that's an anomaly, that that's not real. Well, I don't think it's an anomaly. I mean, there's certain, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's in, every, in any profession, you know, you have the old bell curve. You know, you can't, most of the people just want to do the job. And um, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll attend to the job. And then there's, you know, a group of people on one end who are actually um, hurt the job, use the job. And then there's another group that are more enamored by the job and, and make it more of a career or profession or a dedication. And, you know, I, I, I sort of think that I'm one of these people that really gets involved in something I do. And I don't think I'm an anomaly. <laughs> you know, the thing about human beings, I think, there's another animal that we we most closely resemble, and that's the mole. The mole? Yeah, the mole, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, love, we love to get down in a rut uh-huh. and, and, you know, and stay there. And, of course, and like the mole, we become blind because we're not looking around. You know, we sort of turn off the one thing that makes us different from the mole. We turn off our brain. And we, just, just, we just do things. And in the doing them, it becomes, we have a comfort. And as long as we're in that comfort, then we're happy. Or maybe not happy, maybe just content. But we need we we very we're very reluctant to to push out. So change this whole idea we're hearing today about change. Change petrifies people. There's basic economic reasons why people don't want change. You know, we we'll just have to figure a way to to get beyond that. Begin to see that we're all in the same little boat here. Exactly. And uh, but you you on the wire. I mean, you were a producer, but you were also a writer, correct? Right. And so, and you created a lot of the characters. I wonder about some of the characters that might have really. I know that it's a collective process to write this thing, and I, I understand that. But, but the, the characters that kind of that kind of seem to come out of you. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me throw one out to you, uh, McNulty. Uh, um, McNulty is is a cross between David and I as far as creating the character. Uh huh. In fact, I would I would shade him more towards David. Really? Uh huh. Yeah, with the whole. Particularly the personal life part. <laughs> um, as a character, I always felt that McNulty um, wasn't or didn't exhibit the the, um, the police skills because they were divided up. Primarily, uh, Lester Freeman got them right. in the first season, and it became McNulty was more of the uh, the hard charging guy, Don Quixote attacking police headquarters building and not being, you know, we, didn't, we never saw that much on the street doing cool police work that was left. So he sort of got edged out as far as police type stuff um, when it was divided up character wise uh, in the first season. So I never really thought he was so much me as, as, as more of a reflection of David. So you were, <laughs> so, but you were, so in some ways, um, Lester is like an intellectual. Lester Freeman is the intellectual cop. Yeah, and that's Ed Burns as well. Well, I mean, he does he does the investigations the way you're supposed to do them. One little block and another little block, and he's building the perfect mousetrap. And that's how you catch the criminals. You keep building the mousetrap. You you know you just follow the thread and make it work. And that's what he's learned over his years. And um, that's what makes him you know sort of the the guy you depend on when it comes to. How do we get people? And 
One of the other things that really strikes me about this whole series is, is that it seems as if the people who have the most soul, the most righteousness, really struggling with stuff inside of them to, 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 to do things in a certain way that you might call the right way, always seem to get hurt or killed or swept under the rug. Well, um, I don't know if they all do, uh, but certainly if you don't attend to the, the politics of the institution you're in, what happens is you're going to get ground down. That's Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. That's just the nature of the beast. And, and that's, that's uh, we don't, we don't keep changing our institutions. You know, there's, there's nothing good to be said about the cultural revolution. Nothing. But the idea of every once in a while throwing the file cabinet out the window and starting again has has a certain degree of sense. I mean, if you look at, you know, like, say, the Catholic Church, the early church, before, before, before the money started rolling in, there was a vibrancy to it. But the vibrancy gets lost as the institution you know, matures, and we, all our institutions have matured, and we, we don't go, along, go about reinvigorating. And, um, and now we're up against these corporate God is, is power, and you know their march is, is, is totally different than anything else that we've ever seen before. They will just—they'll use you up, spit you out, and keep fighting going. Hey, this has been great, and uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. I really appreciate you taking the time today. 